Hello and welcome to episode 59 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. Bye, writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And I'm Will. What's up, guys? We're back. I'm excited. <laughs> so in the meantime, since our last recording, we interviewed um, Max Gladstone. Uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but let's start with um, what else we got going on, Will. I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, we have a contest for Suey's new book, Son of the Storm. Uh, if you DM us in our Twitter or Instagram, you can send a copy of a receipt of another Black SFF writer that you purchased and you're entered in the contest. And then we will poll people's names the day before it's released on May 10th. And we will make sure you get it the day that it drops on May 11th. Ah, That's super exciting. I love these contests. So do it. Buy the books. Enter. And if you need help with a list or anything, you can add us on Instagram, either at Just Keep Writing, or you can do any one of us, like Brent, um, Marshall, or Nick, or myself, and we can give you a list of wonderful recommendations uh, to purchase. And all of our contact stuff, social media stuff, is in the show notes. Um, if you're ever wondering how to get a hold of any of the four of us, um, and not only that, we have the Discord channel as well. Jump on the Discord and you just ask what you want. And I'm sure the, the myriad of people in there will, will give you some uh, recommendations. 100%. All right, boys. So let's talk about uh, our last episode. We normally do an intro for that and kind of chat about it before we get in. And time happened. Things happened. And the episode just went out. And uh, so let's talk about um, our time with Max Gladstone, which, by the way, I got to say, um, a super smooth interview. Um, and Max is awesome. And I already knew he would be because Brent talked highly of him. But um, let's go around the table and just tell me what you thought. Um, Brent, I'm going to start with you. You got a smile okay. on your face. I could see you. Yes, because I love <laughs> I love Max. Like, Max is like, if, if I mean, okay, hero is probably a strong word. But he is very much like someone I look up to as a writer in terms of, like, just his intelligence, like, his um his grace and just how he kind of like, and also too, we didn't get to bring this up in the interview, but his very first book had a black woman on the cover during a time in the industry where getting a black woman on the cover would have been a fight. Mm. So I, I know now, like in today we're dealing with some controversy behind people kind of like appropriating other um, races on their covers, but in his time, when he first came out, that wasn't something you saw. So I think it, sh- it just goes to show like that he, he understands his privilege and he's used it to, you know, try to better the industry. And, um, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed him. And I, I still need to go back over the interview and just take notes because <laughs> it was so hard not to, like, write down stuff as he was talking because he's just like he's such an awesome guy. And um, yeah, I talked to him afterwards. Actually, I emailed him and kind of like thanked him for coming by, and we all uh, talked for a little bit. And yeah, he he really liked it. So that just ah, yeah, that made my day. Well, and that means a lot. I mean, the interview, like I said, went really really well. And I always worry afterwards. You know, when we interview authors, and they're like, "Oh, these guys, blah blah." blah. I don't even know this show or whatever. And it's like it's nice to hear that he had a good time. Um, and one of the things I noticed when I was editing the episode too was the fact that he was like. That's a good question. And he actually meant that it was actually a good question. Not like 
that's a good question saying that while I think of the answer. You know what I mean? It was it was more like that's generally a good question. So that that felt kind of good too. Um and I'm currently reading the book and every time I open it up, um I'm listening to it on Audible and I keep seeing um the black woman on the cover and it's just something that I just keep thinking about too. So uh we talked yeah. about it afterwards too. So Yeah, yeah. She's she's an awesome character and I think um yeah, I just I well, I think it kind of helps to actually read someone's work when you're asking them questions. I think the problem that a lot of authors run into when they're getting interviewed is that they can pick up on really quick if someone's actually read their work or not. And right. I think he probably appreciated the fact that he could tell like these questions came from someone who's read and appreciated their work. So For sure. Well, what about you? Um, I thought the interview was really good, Max gave really thoughtful answers and just like what Brent said, you want to take notes and it was nice to see Brent so excited <laughs> to interview someone that he loves so it. much. Nick, any thoughts? Yeah. You know, I kind of just right along there with you guys and Max was amazing. I, I personally like how all of us or most of us will have read someone's work before we bring them onto the show. I think that's really relative to, Hey, we're going to talk about your work. We should probably actually read it. So it's good to know that we actually do do that. Um, but I just want a huge shout out to Max and uh, all the social media that he was doing after that episode came out. Um, there's some questions thrown at him and things like that. And he was willing to answer. And kind of like what he said, there's a, for early career writers, there's a lot of really good information in that interview. Um, so definitely give it a listen. Bring a notepad. You're going to want to listen again three or four more times. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys. Uh, like I say, I, I had read um, This is How to Lose the Time War, and that was all the exposure I've had to him, actually. And I knew you guys had read enough. Um, I had started Three Parts Dead, I think, a few days before we interviewed him, but I hadn't gotten very far. Um, but just knowing that work, and again, all of us have read his work, so I, I think for any other authors that may be listening to this, we will actually read your work before we interview you. Promise. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's super important. So I'm glad you guys mentioned that. Um, all right. So if there's nothing else on that. Why don't we move on to what do you got going on, Brent? Um, a couple <laughs> of things. Okay. So uh, if you haven't seen, I am the guest editor. I will be the guest editor for escape pod in the month of October for black future month. Right now, we extended submissions for that until the end of this month. So you have until the end of April to get in um, a science fiction piece if you are a black writer. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Um, also, we have uh, we did our first M-Dash game for FireCon leading up to the convention, which was pretty fun. Did that on Sunday. And um, we're also taking programming and uh, volunteer opportunities. So. If you want to participate in the con at all, those are two ways you can do so. And um, yeah, I think that's the majority of what I got going on right now. Cool. Yeah, man. I'm excited about uh, seeing what you what comes out of that uh, escape pod thing, man. I'm, I'm excited about that for sure. All right. So this week, we're, I'm going to hand it over to one Nicholas Bright to lead us through the eighth chapter of Mastering Plot Twists, which I'm very excited about. And we're going to chat about that this week. So, Nicholas, take it away, sir. Yeah, well, thank you, Marshall. Um, yeah, we're going over Chapter 8 this week. Got one more chapter after this. I'm excited for this one. It's uh, 
choose two subplots. Uh, so I just want to kind of read a little bit out of here to get the feelings going and get the introduction going. Will, I'm going to throw this one out to you real quick because it's fun. Can you give us a loose definition of what a subplot is? Thank you so much, Nick, for that segue. That was perfect. Um, I would say a subplot is, you know, it could be a second dairy character having um, an adventure that reinforces the overall plot of the main protagonist. Um, You know, your subplots are going to interweave and interconnect in the um, overall plot of the story. It is an excellent way to create great pacing throughout the whole entire novel. Ah, you stole the words right out of my mouth. Subplots are actually part of the TRDs, uh, which we're going to discover throughout this chapter. The opening paragraph section of this this chapter is add complexity with subplots. And then when I read that, I found that super interesting of how how much more depth you can add to your actual plot characters and things like that through subplots and things like that. Um, so I felt like that was pretty much on point and does note that the on Jane's plotting roadmap figure 5.2 subplots are referred to SR as SR1 and SR2. So if you guys get that pulled up, you can see it there where the subplots are interjected in how they fit into the roadmap there. So let me read a little bit here for us. Um, subplots can subplots can add insights and depth to your stories. Choosing subplots is complicated because they need to satisfy multiple purposes. They must uh, simultaneously move the plot along, aiding character development, and contribute to an appropriate ending. The most effective subplots appear to be unrelated to the primary plot, yet ultimately they link to your resolution. This is no easy task. Don't think of subplots as afterthoughts. Subplots play a major role in your storytelling and must be carefully envisioned and constructed. I kind of want us to come up with a couple examples right off the bat here of books, comics, things that we have read that you guys feel like had a very well-defined subplot. Um, And I kind of want to start with Marshall on this one, throw it his way. Um, and of course, if we can keep it to books and readings before we jump into TVs and movies, like we usually do, that'd be great. No, yeah. I think the goal this time around is to try, and we've tried this before, right? To try to develop, try to use examples out of, uh, fiction, out of stuff we're reading. Right. Um, so most recently what I've read, I just finished Crooked Kingdom. I know a lot of you guys have read that. Um, and that is the sequel to Six of Crows. Um, I've most recently read, like I said, about halfway through Three Parts Dead. Um, I do like, I think that Three Parts Dead does a really good job with subplots. Um, some of them are really short, but they, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the things I like, um, and I'm going to bring it up out of the book too, um, is that there are four like kind of ways to add subplots, right? So the third is mirroring your protagonist's emotional conflict, right? Um, so I think Lee Bardugo does a pretty good job with some of the shorter side plots. Um, and I'm trying to remember the character's name now, and then I'm put on the spot. 
But in Three Parts Dead, um, one of the subplots has to do with... Um, Brent, I totally noticed you scoot away and then come back with a giant stack of books. So, Yes. <laughs> I want it because I have examples. I love it. I love it. Okay. So one of the subplots that's going on um, character-wise in Three Parts Dead and is uh, the Miss... What's the character's name? Miss... Um, the the kind of oh right mentor name mentor character Kamarian Elaine no um Tara's the main character and then the one that she studies under yeah she that's refers Elaine, to as Elaine Kavarian okay yeah so yeah, yeah. Miss Kavarian yeah 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 so yeah. that that particular character you you get these little vignettes of of the other characters throughout and a lot of the times it's 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 parallel to what the plot that's happening. But at the same time, what I, what I do like about this chapter is it points out the fact that if you're bringing a subplot in, they are going through sometimes mundane things that everybody goes through. So, for example, in um, one of the things is. So I was going to say, we're not doing the four point checklist quite yet. Oh, I've got, gonna, I, I wrote down your your example here. OK, fine. Then I'm just going to keep it general then. Okay. Um, so so keeping it general, I think. Um, Max does a good job with three parts dead jumping to subplots with other characters that are around the main character. Right. But again, you are getting a, you are able to see that, um, that there are other things in the wider world that are going on at the same time. And I think that, I think he does a really good job in that book for sure. And I like yeah. how short some of them are. Sometimes the chapter starts, it's with a different character and then it pops back to Tara again. Um, and I right. think that's really nice way to keep the subplots, fresh in your memory as well yeah yeah um brent i know you're ready and will obviously you'll have a couple examples too as well um but yeah if you could give me just a couple to start with i am going to write one of them down as we progress i'm going to keep referencing that same book um just so you guys know okay so um burning roses is basically a novella that is a mashup of little red riding hood and uh, a Chinese myth that I don't want to get the name wrong on, but um, essentially the two women. Oh, um, Hu Yi, Hu Yi, the archer. So yeah, so it's a combination of those two um stories together. So basically, both characters are monster hunters in a way, and they are middle aged and they're both queer women, but they're damaged and they damage their children. So it's basically the main plot is that. Um, Hu Yi's son is basically a villain. He's become like he's become an enemy, and he's basically lured his mother out to for one last kind of fight. And little, the Little Red Riding Hood character, she's basically like, "You're not going to do this alone. I'm coming with you." Now, the subplot that's running through the whole novella is what did these two women do to their children, and why did it damage them so much? So it's kind of like it's it's showing that uh, I think on the checklist we have an unrelated element. It's not necessarily crucial to understanding the primary plot, but it adds a layer to it and it makes it more emotional as you're going through it. So, yeah, it's a really good it's a really good novella. Yeah, no, I'm really interested in the novella. Um, well, I'll throw the time over to you to give us a couple examples of uh, <laughs> books that you feel like have good subplots that we can discuss tonight. 
I think uh, Six Wakes by Mer Lafferty is a really great one. It opens up with the overall murders um, and the clones don't know who's murdered. And every, uh, every couple chapters, it goes into one of the characters backstory, which therein, as you move through the book, your mind keeps changing of who the murderer is because each time you have a, um, a story revealed about their past, it puts them in the light. Like, Oh, God, they actually could be the murderer. And all those subplots come up and build up into the end, which it was just crafted really, really well. Um, Another person who comes to mind as far as like just amazing um, subplots, which I know some people not always like some of her writing, but I think she does do this really good. There's something to be learned from her is Cassandra Clare's The Mortal Instruments. Um. I think she has this really great way of using the secondary characters to really affect Clary's narrative. But at the same time, it also um, mirrors her journey. And I'll give you an example. We have Clary who's in this, suddenly she's a shadow hunter. She has her best friend, Simon, who's known her since she was a kid, um, enter this world at the same time with her. But where Clary is really insecure about her powers and like learning about her history and then also being lied to, we have Simon who's entering this with her, okay, who um, falls in love with one of the characters, but then also has um, his own journey that really builds up in each book. And then in turn, you know, he changes throughout and it just reinforces of of clary's um relationship with her friends and with jace and with the other shadow hunters because she's trying to protect simon but even though she's trying to protect him he also changes and gets in danger and i think cassandra clare does that really well in those books yeah absolutely i'm i'm a big fan of that series um, love the movies and the TV series too. Um, what? Sorry, I didn't hear <laughs> you. Said you the on TV that one. series sucked. <laughs> I read his lips. Uh, <laughs> Remember, I'm no comment. No, no comment on that one. Um, so the kind of I, I wrote these examples down because I do want to go back to them throughout this chapter um, to kind of reflect. Right? I don't want to have to force you guys to give multiple examples every time I ask questions. So, um, and I love the books that you guys brought into it. Six Crows obviously is a big favorite of mine. Brent, you brought some in that I didn't even, I haven't even read. Um, and well, Six Wakes is top five, I think for my reads in the last year, um, for the exact reasons you brought up. Um, but I want to talk about real quick, the four point checklist, which is located on page 185. Um, so they, they were, or excuse me, not just they, but Jane, um, she writes a four point checklist for us to kind of follow for what is the subplot, right? Um, so the following checklist will help you identify viable subplot alternatives. These questions can guide you, guide your brainstorming and help you determine viability. The four approaches to creating subplots are as follows. A minor character. 
an unrelented, unrelated element, mirrored emotions, a nonfiction element. Now we're going to kind of dive into these a little bit more using the examples that you guys gave. Um, so we're going to start with a minor character. Um, and I kind of want to throw this one out to you first, Will. Um, so the uh, approach for a subplot with a minor, uh, minor character here. Is there a minor character who you can help your protagonist satisfy his or her longing? How can they help? Is there a character, a minor character who might hinder your protagonist's progress? Why? What will he or she do to stop your protagonist from succeeding? Well, if you could actually stick to the six wakes and mortal sprints on that one um, for these questions and then bring in others after. Um, so you want me to use six wakes? Six wakes or mortal, your mortal instruments? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think I went through, like, with Clary, it's definitely Simon, you know, who I think really, um, I think he, Simon does both in those. He's a minor character who can help your protagonist satisfy his longing, and he helps... Um, he also helps Clary in her mission, but at the same time, he hinders her because, you know, Clary's coming into her own power. And in the beginning of the series, Simon has no power. You know, he's constantly putting himself at, at risk, which in turn makes Clary and the people around him want to protect him. You know, right. I, think, I think they mirror each other really, really well. Mm-hmm. And actually, just for me, just bringing up the, that example right there, I actually want to kind of open all of this up. I'll, I'll finish reading the rest and go back to you. Well, sorry. Um, I just realized how intertwined a lot of these can be. Um, so number two, the un, unrelated element um, is something going on in your protagonist's life that's unrelated to the primary plot, but they have to deal with mirrored emotions. Does your protagonist feel a strong emotion that can be duplicated, perceived, or reflected in someone else. And then four is a nonfiction element. Is there a nonfiction element in your story that might showcase your protagonist's skill, knowledge, character, or ability? Kind of what you were saying, too, is uh, the unrelated element. You know, the force that's kind of driving your protagonist's life and Mortal Instruments, Clary's life, right? She's kind of thrown into everything. She had a great life going, like... You know, she's just kind of thrown into it. Same with Simon. He gets wrapped up in all this stuff that's not really his to deal with in the beginning. Um, well, do you want to give any more subplot examples in regards to the four-point checklist? Or I'm going to make sure you, you get enough time, feel heard. Thank you so much, because I don't talk enough here. I mean, I think another character from that series that really does um, shine and is introduces a minor character is Magnus Bane. You know, I think he was a, everyone really loved him, and I thought like um, he was so fun when he was on stage. But he also helps push the plot along because he knows things about Clary and her past that Clary has no idea. And I think as each book went on. Too. And this is where I think Cassandra Clare did really good, especially with the first three. Um, she really 
even though the story is about Clary and Jace, she really allowed room for all of those sinking dairy characters to shine. So it started to feel more like an ensemble, you know? And I think that's what good subplotting can do because all of those, all of those um, subplots reinforced Clary's journey. And I, I, I found that um, really interesting you know, to read. And I'll say this, when you look back of where we are now, okay, I think even with Lee Bardugo, um, I would say the Brooklyn that Clary writes about, that uh, Cassandra Clare writes about, isn't necessarily the Brooklyn I know, you know, (laughs) I think it, um, I think as the series comes on, she started to write a lot more inclusively um, with each book, you know, Um, because the Brooklyn she wrote, I think, was very hipstery, kind of like white. Um, And she did include some uh, like queer characters and slowly and surely started introducing some characters. characters, you know, of color. But um, I think what I hope, and I know all of us are going to do this, that we will write um, with a much broader frame of a spectrum. And I think that's something to think about when you're creating subplots and characters and secondary characters, you know, how can you infuse them with more life and more, um, differences is that how am i making sense yeah no 100 percent. i think definitely you know from what was written you know 10 20 years ago to what we're writing now i do feel like we should be more inclusive in what we write and i i think a lot of authors are changing that too in their own writings um i they just think it's part of progressing and growing as a writer that if you weren't doing it before you should definitely be doing it now and I think, too, on that point, um, I think when you're thinking of minor characters and how they can shine, I also think it's important to say, like, um, I heard Adam Silvera gave this interview, and he said, you know, if all I wrote about was a queer Puerto Rican boy for every single book, it still wouldn't be enough. So when you look at all the characters, right? So I think there's something to be said about when you are writing people who are not represented enough in publishing that um, that is still like writing in, writing inclusively and seeing something, especially when it's not really there and giving them their own adventures and their own agency. hundred percent. Love it. Well, Brent, we'll uh, I'll circle to you on this one. Yes. So if I had to um, explain Midnight Bargain, it's basically Jane Austen meets dark magical Pokemon. So in, yeah. So in Midnight Bargain, the way the magic system works is that men basically choose a spirit that is attached to them and that spirit gives them power. Women can do magic too, but they aren't allowed to because these spirits latch onto unborn children sometimes and possess them and it's a, it's chaos so therefore the society decides that 
women can't do magic. Well, the main character in this story, she's a woman and she's damn good at magic. And she's like, screw society. I, I'm going to do magic. I'm going to be a great magician. And so she basically, she falls in love with this guy. And it's basically about like, does she choose the power? Does she choose her heart? Or does she find a way to get both? And there's a subplot in the story that the guy that she falls in love with, his sister wants to be a mage too, but for different reasons. So she's she kind of serves as a mirror to the main character that they both want, they both have this desire to be powerful mages, but for different reasons. And how can they help each other achieve that goal? And so you kind of see both of them go along this journey and you kind of see from two different angles how this society negatively affects women. So it's a really good book. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm writing this this down for sure to purchase because um, I got to make a Barnes & Noble run this week. Um, and then Marshall, using the, the, the four-point checklist there, if you could speak to the subplots of the two examples that you gave, which was Six of Crows and then Three Parts Dead by Max Gladstone. Well, actually, I don't want to use Six of Crows because I read the sequel recently, um, but I'm more prepared for Three Parts Dead real quick because I have the character names up in front of me now so I don't stumble um, because I read these on Audible. So I want to make sure I do this right. So um, the I, and unfortunately, I haven't finished the book. I'm about, like I said, halfway through. But um, so what I want to focus on is the unrelated element um, and kind of tying that into the minor character a little bit um of the abelard character um you know what i like about it is the main character tara has to actually rely on this guy to help him help her through solving the issue of this dead god right but it happens to be abelard's god and so he's a chain smoker and this is like the unrelated kind of element that i want to throw in that i think is really interesting it has to do with the character and it's something he's dealing with and something that is mentioned often, but at the same time, it's sort of an unrelated element that she has to deal with, he's dealing with, and I'm sure it has to do with something later, but again, I haven't finished it. Um, so there's that. But then also, um, there are mirrored elements too, as well, because they're both on the same you know, sort of quest, but they're kind of, I feel like they're going at it for different reasons a little bit too. So, So I do like that. Um, but let's talk about the other book. I'm just going to go with, I, 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 and I don't, so minor characters obviously is not the main protagonist, but in that book, they, you know, you get different POVs, right? Yeah. And so there is a, it's kind of harder to pin down who's the minor character, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to focus on Jesper really quick because mm -hmm. I like that character a lot and there's a lot of parallels and it, and it all comes to play towards the end parallels with what he's dealing with with his family and everything else that parallels the 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 um the heist or the group i should say right um so what i really like about that particular character is you get these reveals throughout and it ties in with the rest of the story so i would i would put that with the mirroring emotions um he's dealing with family stuff but so are several other characters as well right um, so that's kind of what I wanted to focus on, on that. 
Um, Hopefully that helps a little bit. You know what? I want to add something too, because that um, I would say Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, where Kaz, I would say, is like the main mm. protagonist, right? For sure. Um, yeah. Even though it's an ensemble piece, like it's his crew, he's putting it together. But I think what Lee does really well in um, in especially this duology is that Inej um, is one of the characters and her story with her family and also her being kidnapped and the things that she went through, I think really mirror Kaz's insecurities of not being close with people and also going back to his trauma about, you know, watching spoilers, everyone um, watching his brother die and being in that sea of bodies and why he doesn't touch people. Um, I think that book is a really great way that you can see the different subplots and how it reinforces about Kaz and his team. And also those subplots go into the whole entire um, duology of them being Mm -hmm. a found family that they chose each other. Sorry. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And I think adding to that too, and I know we're going to get there eventually uh, here, Nick, but you know, that idea of using these subplots to control the pacing, because when a lot of these subplots start intersecting with Cookie Kingdom um, in particular, you know, you can go back to that list of the TRDs and how that pacing really amps up. So when two of the subplots, for example, intersect, when you have, you know, Jesper's subplot running up against Kaz's um, and then that happens and then it everything everything happens at the same time um, and it brings it all together. And I think it's Lee Bardugo does an amazing job with it. It's it's it, the, that duology is disgustingly good. I love it. I loved everything about it. So continue. Well, uh, Nick, sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. I loved six of crows was a great, 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 great read. I, I haven't read the second yeah. one yet, so I will be, I promise. I promise. I promise. Um, as you guys can tell, I've got a list going every time we do a recording. So, um, well, one of the other things I kind of want to touch on, Will, you had mentioned it earlier, uh, but subplots are another way to increase pace or set, help set pace. Um, I know it mentions here in the book, um, as well that you can use a subplot or subplots about every 80 pages, what they say. Um, and that's what the figure 5.7, I believe, has um, in there. And so definitely take a look at the chapter. There there are a couple examples in here outside of what we've given um, that kind of show you how the subplots help set, set up pace and things like that. What I kind of wanted to focus on next is our own works and this four-point checklist. Oh, I love this. Let's start with Brent because he's the superstar. Brent, the superstar. Well, I was going to give you guys a little bit of time to think about some stuff. I know Brent's probably right. amped and ready to go. He was born I want, ready. I want people to have some uh, enough time to think about this one. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to read the four-point checklist again. And then, yeah, Brent, we'll start with you if you uh, are ready for that. So, the four-point checklist, once again, a minor character. An unrelated element, mirrored emotions, and a nonfiction element. In regards to the four-point checklist here, Q 
Can you talk about to some of the subplots that you're currently using in your work in progress? Ooh, okay. Um, so in uh, I can't really talk too much about this one, but um, so I have in actually I can talk about the one the book I have on query. Let me do that. So there is a subplot with the um with an unrelated element. So there's an unrelated element in the protagonist's life that he has to deal with. So he has to deal with the fact that um, the circumstances behind his mother's death. So it's not essential to the primary plot, but finding out exactly what happens to her causes a really big plot reversal in the story. So it's a subplot that kind of operates as a TRD. Um, There's also um, a minor character that I have in there that throws off the protagonist. So it's, he has a boyfriend in this story, but he meets this one character who kind of is everything he wishes his boyfriend was. And so, yeah. So there's a little tension between the two of them and he feels guilty about it. So that also plays a role. And it, and it's, um, he hinders the protagonist's progress because he needs this guy to help him basically prevent this big conflict from happening but because he's kind of been scorned um he won't do it so that kind of comes into play uh yeah i think those are two those are two points you want me to do one for each of them or oh no i mean just whatever you've got man um okay i mean most (laughs) there's a lot of these i feel like one subplot could capture all this that's going on um, or one could be, you know, a subplot could just really take on just one of them too. So no, great examples. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing I'm out there with on query right now. So <clears> it's going to happen. <laughs> hey, fing- it's going to happen. Fingers and toes. It's, it's, this. it's your 2021. year. Agent book deal. Agent book deal. <laughs> I am claiming that. Throw it up in the air. <laughs> Marshall, I'm actually going to throw it right. to you next on this one. So, um, yeah, so the my current... Okay, so there's a couple things I'm thinking about, but my current work in progress, uh, the novel I'm almost done with, that I keep saying I'm almost done with, but I'm almost done with it. Um, I, I would I would say the... I, I have two POVs in the book. Um, the one POV doesn't kind of come until a little bit later, so that'll probably change in, in uh, revision, but... The cat character I have definitely is approaching the overarching uh, invasion differently, right? So we've got the all-black military force that's fighting, and then the other side that's recruiting, right? She ends up being recruited and then ends up on the other side uh, after a battle, right? And so you get this mirrored experience where they're both approaching this invasion and this issue in uh, from this from different aspects, but at the same time, uh, really trying to be at the same you know the same cause is happening. They're trying to solve the problem, but from different angles with different objectives, right? So there's the mirrored emotions. They're both being they're both trying to find their place, and then at the same time, um, she's dealing with um, a whole nother level of trauma and stuff and that comes along with it 
um, and kind of leaning on the brutes uh, to to help her through it. So um, that's something I, I'm definitely focusing on on that. And then I have some other minor characters that um, uh, that hinder uh, progress. So just like in in Beowulf that I'm mirroring, essentially, there's a character that um, counters Beowulf, and basically because he's arrogant and he's trying to deal with, he's trying to he's trying to outboast Beowulf, right? So I have a similar character to that in my in my text. Um, the the uh, it's Unfirth in Beowulf, and I just call him Firth in my book. Um, and again, same cause, but at the same time, there's these hindrances here and there um, that this minor character is putting forth to the protagonist that I'm playing with as well. So um, I'm definitely not pulling all of it off, but I'm definitely aware that I'm trying to do the things I just said. If that makes sense, it makes sense totally. Oh, thanks, buddy. So, uh, well, I just want to throw that, ex- you know, throw it to you for your examples on your current work in progress is, um, with the four point checklist and what you have going on in regards to subplots. Um, sure. I just realized I have two subplots in my current work in progress. Um, one you just realized it. You said I did. I didn't realize <laughs> I actually put them in until now. I was like, Oh God, I guess that is the two subplots. Oh, that's good. Um, one of them is, one of them is really about the um, the loss of their parents trying to find them. And the other one is one of the characters is investigating another part of the team, which ca- is causing tension and it's holding them back. So that is where I'm at with that book. All right. I like it. This is a new project for you, Will? This is not. No, this is the book I've been writing for two years that I still am trying to figure it out. <laughs> But I'm having fun. I'm having a good time. And shout out to my writing group, The Immortals, for giving me excellent feedback. Wow. Um, I didn't know we had a writing group name, so I can't compare myself to The Immortals over here. Well, because you um, can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They're immortals, well, bro. Come shout on. out to The Shout out to the immortals. I know. I know who you got. I know who uh, you yeah. are. You and uh, Marshall know all of them. Well, it's I, Gabe, I know them Billy all. and RJ. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a great group. Um, I really, really have loved conversations with the three of them over the last few years. Um, so I, I'll kind of throw it to myself now. Um, so I have a trunk novel officially um, to where I had a subplot going on there in regards to of um, my main character. Let's see. How do I want to word this? Okay. So is the subplot with um, Dax's partner or is the subplot with the one who's being overtaken by the AI and is kind of being possessed? Which one? It is the one that's being taken over by the AI. Wait, gotcha. This is a trunk novel now? Yeah, it's a trunk it's, novel. It's, it, it's a trunk novel. Uh, trunk novel meaning I've put it away for the sad... And I will one day rewrite the characters, but a different story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I have a, a character that I'm doing a subplot with in regards to them learning how to work with the AI and that relationship and how that's actually a driving factor towards the main plot in that book. Um, and a new project that I'm working on, which is, tentatively a, a middle grade book um there there's a subplot re- in regards to the main character's sister 
um, and how she handles and deals with family feuds um, and how that unknowingly affects what my main character is doing um, when he has to react to her in those situations. So um, that's, that's all I have for this chapter, guys. It was really focused on that four point checklist and kind of seeing where you can, what you can do with subplots and kind of how to do a subplot in, in a sense that makes sense and get you going with your TRDs, controlling pace and whatnot. There are a couple questions in the, at the end of the chapter that I think is really helpful. Also, I believe figure 8.8 is a way for you to answer some questions there to figure out what kind of subplots you can do and use based on what you already have written. So give it a, give it a shout out, give it a look and uh, take a listen to episode 58, our interview with Max Gladstone. Because when it comes to subplots, Max really knows how to do that and nailed it down as we gave two examples of his writings today. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing. (laughs) 